Welcome to the Painted Target Podcast. Episode 7, the Painted Target Podcast. I'm Jason at Aware Integrate on Twitter, awarenessintegrations.com. Rick is finally back from saving the world. He's been gone yep, forever. Job. He's got a job. I mean, it's not a big deal. I don't want to brag, but you know, he's got a job. And um, I don't even remember what your stuff is because you've been gone for so long. But he's at Grave Delay on Twitter, and it's GraveDelayAthletics.com, right, for the shirts. Yeah, that's right. All right, good to go. So today's topic, we're going to talk about messing up because yours truly just messed up pretty good um, when he was out climbing today. So not to get too into the details of it because I'm sure a lot of people don't climb here, but it's good for this topic. So the short version is you work with certain pieces of gear to lower people down when you are climbing. So someone climbs, they get to the top, the guy at the bottom who's belaying him lowers him down. So you have some devices like a tube device, which is basic and you just kind of work the rope through a friction point. And at this friction point, if the rope is on that point, it, it can't, the person can't drop down really fast. Well, then you have other things like uh gree they call it made by Petzl and it's got a lever so it's designed to auto catch someone if something goes wrong but it's not going to catch this person if you have the lever all the way back so I was in the climbing gym and there's padding all around so you know no one's really going to get hurt that bad but um I was low I didn't have a lot of training on the gree gree because I've always just used the tube device and I've always been fine with it, lead belaying, lead climbing, and all this stuff. And I figured, well, I might as well see what all the hype is about and get this gree and I've been training on it. Well, long story short, um, we had ropes that were too big. They were too stuck. There was a lot of kinks in them. So I was lowering this guy down, and one of the kinks let loose. And the guy basically just dropped straight to the ground on the pads like a sack of potatoes. So that's not, that wasn't good on my part, obviously. And it was just not good in general. Nobody wants to be in that position where they drop 20, 30 feet. If you, if it happened outside, you know, he could have died. This, this is not, but this is also why I don't use it outside because I don't have enough training on it. So, you know, this was not a good thing. And I can remember the second that it happened, I remember just being in kind of that, space where I thought, well, you know, this is bad. This is, this is putting me back to square one with this device. And I can remember also thinking though, you know, there's only two ways this is going to go. And a normal person or somebody that hasn't done the internal work loses their mind. They freak out, they bolt, you know, they do whatever. And what I did is I told him I was sorry. And I walked away and I kind of took my gear off because at that point I needed to detach a little bit from the situation, review what it had happened. 
So I put my gear up and I walked up to him. I told Rick this before the podcast and I just looked him in his eyes and shook his hand. And I said, you know, I'm really sorry that it happened like that. And I told the guys bye and I left and I sent the rest of them messages and told them it was unprofessional and it shouldn't happen. And there's really no excuses. And on the drive home, I can remember feeling <clears throat> what anybody would feel, but I put myself in a space to observe it. I expected to feel like an asshole. I expected to feel like a piece of shit. And it leads you to question all the time you've put into training in this uh, discipline anyway. But the entire time, I was just observing what was happening and I was ex basically expecting it to come. I was expecting it to feel like shit. So I just sat in it. I felt it. And I got home and I wrote notes. I write notes after every training day, no matter what type of training it is and wrote down what I could do, what I couldn't do. And, you know, went from there. So to segue into it, um, you know, it was an interesting thing, Rick, because in the midst of it happening, it wasn't good. I didn't want it to happen, but it was funny because I remember thinking there was no better way for this to happen because I learned so much. So that's kind of cliche, you know, at this point, but I'm sitting here taking notes on it thinking there is no other way that I would have learned that except by doing that. Now that's 50, 50. I probably could have learned without it going that bad, but the lead up with the bad ropes didn't really allow me to in that moment. So the question Rick is, you know, I explained a little bit of what I did and, you know, what do we do in these types of situations so we don't sit on them for days or weeks or, you know, months. I mean, for me, it's observation. It's some of the spiritual stuff I talk about. It's pulling back and knowing that, Hey, it's probably going to feel like shit. And that action is probably the only way you can ever fix quote unquote the past. So what do we do in these situations, Rick, after they've happened? I think the second you own it, the, uh, the easier it becomes for everybody involved, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, you basically said that. Um, making the mistake. I mean, I don't think you have to make a mistake all the time to learn, but I think making the mistake will ingrain the lesson in you more deeply than if you, if you hadn't made it. Uh, luckily, you said you were in the gym and there was no, um, there was no real consequence in terms of terrible bodily injury or anything like that. Yeah. Um, of course that guy was probably pissed uh, for, <laughs> yeah. for following, however, whatever the oh, distance was. Yeah. And, um, and, and like you said, you were embarrassed about it, but I mean, that only goes so far too. It already happened. You don't, you sure, surely can't take it back. Um, so really just to move forward. Uh, next time you, next time you go in there, you're doing the same tra uh, training. You're going to remember for sure what not to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's a truth. And I think everybody around you who's probably done the same thing you did is going to be looking at you and thinking the same thing like, well, we've all done it. And we certainly haven't forgotten our lessons. So Jason's probably good to go now. And anybody yeah. who's, uh, who's under or above the rope um, with him, with him nearby is going to be all right in that respect. So, yeah. And it's funny too because it has happened to everyone. And when I was talking to them before I left, they were like, yeah, this is, you know, it was me that was more 
concern than anyone else because this this happens all the time and as i said you'd rather do it in a gym than do it somewhere else and it never would have happened outside because i would never be outside trying to learn you know a new piece of gear um but it was interesting like you said because everybody has done this to an extent i mean you know it from our training in these jobs there's always points where you mess up and you just you feel like it's too you know what is it one step forward two steps back and actually when it happened i can remember thinking that because the the important part about today and it's what the people listening can relate to because it always happens is my foundation felt so good because i've been working on that piece of gear for a little bit but it was finally hitting a point where i felt the foundation was being built and I was feeling it. I was loose. I was, everything was good. Did a few lead climbs. Like it was, it was good, but in a flash, boom, you know, it can go to that. So it's kind of that wake up call of, I wasn't necessarily being cocky. I just felt really good. And it is kind of that, you know, the universe's way of telling you to kind of tone it down a little, you know, maybe pull it back a bit. So that, you know, that's definitely an interesting part of it. And you know, the next part of this that I wanted to talk about was what you do beyond a situation where you mess up because you kind of, like you said, you accept it, it happened, there's nothing more you can do. But when you get home the next day, the next time you go do whatever you're doing in life, what do you do beyond the situation? Well, you, you have to reflect on it. So a quick story from my old policing days back. And this is, this is like a, a 2001 story as a rookie. Anyway, I, we, we used to get calls all the time for, to do welfare checks. I got one one night. I worked the midnight shift to meet a guy over in a, an apartment complex parking lot. Um, so I did. I met him over there, asked him what he wanted. He was checking up on the children of the, his client's ex-wife or estranged wife. I said, okay, fair enough. And we, we do these, we had done those things all the time just to check and make sure that they're, they're healthy and um, not being mistreated and that kind of thing. So I walked with him up to the, um, uh, the apartment door. And in the meantime, in the process, he had told me he's a private investigator, but he's also, he was also a full-time police officer for his main job. So, and he used that on purpose because he knew I, he knew I was uh, fairly new to the game. So we get to the door uh, the nanny opens the door and she was a non-English speaker. And I tried to just convey to her basically, Hey, we just want to check on the kids, make sure they're okay. And then we'll leave. And I said, maybe we come in. She said, sure. So we went in. Next thing I know, this guy's taking out a camera snapping pictures. So right away I said, well, this isn't good because now we're violating someone's rights effectively is what was, is what was happening. So I did my best to hustle him out of the apartment and, uh, you know, down the stairs and out, out to the parking lot so we could leave. And he left and I, I was thinking about what I should do. So I called him. I was like, hey, here's the deal. Um, first of all, where are you? And secondly, uh, you will not use those pictures. So he starts giving me this line of shit like, well, you know, this holier than thou line of shit. You can't tell me what to do. This, that, and the other thing. I was like, all right. So I hung up. I found out where my boss was and it turned out my sergeant and lieutenant were having breakfast at a, um, a local diner. So I went over there, sat down with them and said, hey, here's what just happened. Told them exactly what happened. And they said, call him back. Tell him 
if he uses any of that footage that he got in that camera, that we're going to find him, arrest him, and, and charge him with illegally obtaining the, uh, the photographs. So I was like, cool. That's what, that's what I did. Uh, he had a different tune that time after I told him my yeah. sergeant lieutenant knew about it. So anyway, uh, after that, moving forward, you know, plenty of welfare checks uh, um, down the road. Yeah, nobody was going to dupe me into uh, getting into someone's apartment. If, if, if someone was going to check on the welfare of somebody, it was going to be me and me alone or other officers I work with. Yep. Not some, uh, some third-hand person, police or not, that mm -hmm. I didn't know wasn't, or wasn't familiar with. And that's just it. You, you have to tell yourself, all right, I really fucked that up. <laughs> I mean, that, that's yep. bad news when you're violating someone's Fourth Amendment, Fourth Amendment rights. Cause that's basically what it was. And, um, never again, am I going to fuck, fuck up like that? And I can probably use, use this piece of wisdom to convey to others I work with down the road in case they ever have something similar, they can be prepared for it to the extent where, Hey, if you're brand new and someone's trying to take advantage of you, try to recognize that ahead of time, take a step back and, and try to figure out what they want. What's their angle. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it kind of goes back to that. Like if you, you know, you took action, you did what you had to do, you learned from it. It's like learning, you know, just learning it's learning it and then taking action to fix it. Because I could tell you, you know, I, t it's in law enforcement, it's a whole different thing. And I know there was times even when me and you were working together where there was a gray line and you kind of have to, you know, watch what you do a little bit. And it's always that psychological feeling, which I'm sure you felt that day where when you're done, you're just kind of like, Oh gosh, why didn't I think about that? You know, what, you know, you question the things. And I did that today where there's simple things in place to where when that's happening, I just go boom, hit one thing or let go of one thing and they stop. Everything's good. So why didn't I do it? But it's very easy. Um, especially like in law enforcement where you can get in a circle and you kind of beat yourself up over when you mess up in life. But really the only way to fix any of it or deal with any of it is through action. <laughs> I mean, yeah. don't do it again. And it, it's sad because I, I can remember being younger and thinking to myself, man, you know, I learned everything the hard way. It's just like, uh, you know, I can think 14 miles in advance but I'm always learning the hard way but then on the other end as you said earlier you learn when it's the hard way there's no possible way on the planet that shit is ever going to happen to me again because I'll have them coming down at the rate of 0 0.001 mile per hour it'll take them three days to come off that wall the next time I do it because then I know you know it's not going to matter and sure enough we actually did do a few more after that happened and there was no problems because there's no, it's like with the guy taking the pictures, there's no possible way you would let that happen again. It's not even a question anymore. You got the hard lesson. I got the hard lesson. There's no way it's going to happen. But in this, this day and age, we definitely, I mean, do we not in this day and age spin on these things for weeks? I think generally as a, yeah. as a whole, yeah, as society, yep. Just spin on them and just dwell on stuff. And that does absolutely nothing to change yep. what you did or what happened. You just have to yep. learn from it or um, don't put yourself in situations where it can happen again. I don't know. There's, there's so many different answers to how you can't change the past and what yep. you can do moving forward. Yeah. But do something other than what you did before. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because this is kind of like 
a segue into, you know, anxiety and what people live with every day where we literally spend so much time dealing with things that are not dealing, but ruminating over things that literally do nothing for us. And we've said this in other podcasts where the only way to fix anything is through action and anything else you're doing is essentially a waste of energy. I mean, it could actually be looked at. That's, you know, a big stoic thing too. It could actually be looked at as simple as that. So I don't know. I think when, for the people listening, I think when you mess up, you have to spend the time to observe it. You have to be able to essentially feel the feelings, but not be attached to them. As I said in the last podcast, and you, and you have to be, you, you have to be in a place where you kind of know that those things are going to happen. You're going to drive away and feel like shit, or you're going to do whatever. But, you know, I manned up to the guy and I apologized and looked at him. And like with you, Rick, I picture you walking in that diner and telling them, you know, hey, here's the facts. Here's exactly what happened. I've got nothing else to really tell you. And what can we do to fix it? That's, it. So, That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. And you have a good disposition. I mean, I think a lot of people would go into that with some pretty heavy anxiety. You know, they wouldn't want to go in. They think of a way to get around it. They don't want to call the bosses. But the direct route to fix things may be harder sometimes, but it's also the direct route. There's no way you're getting in trouble now because you advise the chain of command. <laughs> they gave you an order, you did it, and the guy listened. So, you know, it's straight to the point. But you could have came home that night and beat yourself up. Oh, I'm a rookie. Why did I do this? I should have thought about it beforehand. But it's just funny because those things don't serve us any purpose. You know, the ruminating and all these things, they just don't serve a purpose. So, no, and then subsequent to that, too, the, the, the wife whose nanny let us in, she called. And she was pissed and I didn't yeah. blame her. Oh yeah. But, be, but because, because I'd already told the bosses what happened, they're like, yeah, we know what happened. Uh, you know, our bad kind of thing. We, here's what we, here's what we did. Here's what we told the guy. If those pictures show up in court in a, in a custody uh, dispute, let us know. We'll take out warrants for his arrest. And uh, you know, at least, at least you'll have that. So that sort of helped smooth it over. I mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine what she felt, but at the very least we, we got ahead of it or I got ahead of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, told them what, told them what the deal was. I felt bad because uh, not, not so much because I made a mistake with it, but sort of the, the aftermath and how it impacted that, that woman. Oh, yeah. that, we, we only heard from her once. So it's safe. To, it was safe to assume that those photographs or the issue never came up in, uh, in family court or whatever, wherever they're dealing with their uh, divorce and custody um, obstacles. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing, like in the government and, in certain leadership things where you have to get ahead of it. You know, if you screwed up, you have to admit you screwed up and you have to get ahead of it. And that was a big thing. Like in the last position I worked for the job where things could go wrong, things could go however they went, but you better have let the chain of command know pretty much a second it happens because good or bad, some of it is maybe for the wrong reasons, but you know, they just don't want to be blindsided. So yeah, nobody does. Nope. And you mentioned before, um, sort of like the universe, uh, I guess, keeping you in check, basically oh, yeah. too, too comfortable. Yeah. So I've been, I've been at my current full-time position a little over 10 years. 
and I've, I've been, been doing pretty well. I had a lot of positive things sort of climbing up the mountain, nothing really getting in the way, but you know, it's not, not super easy, but just progress, progressing along, getting better and better. Have, and I have a good foundation under me. And then a few days ago, I got a jury summons and I'm sorry, I got the jury summons like last month, but a few days ago I had to call to see if I had court. And it turned out my number was called for court. And then the, fo- the following day, which would have been the court day, um, I was supposed to go out on assignment for the job. So I had to call the boss. I was like, hey, uh, just, I just found out I have, I have jury duty tomorrow. Um, I'm supposed to be on assignment, so someone else is going to have to take my place. And he's like, he said, well, I didn't know about this. I said, well, I just found out myself because I had to call on Tuesday night. He's like, all right. So in the end, you know, his boss sort of, sort of gave him not, not an ass chewing, so to speak, but he told them some circumstances that unfolded that I could have never foreseen. Like people had to go in to the office on like a, on a, on a bad weather day to try and figure out who's going to take the assignment. Yeah. Uh, so there was some collateral damage, I guess, that I, I inadvertently caused. So then in, uh, subsequently, my boss called me and he's like, hey, you know, my boss you know, sort of told me the deal, what happened. Uh, so I'm just letting you know. Next, you know, next time you have jury duty, let us know in advance. So if there are assignment days coming up, we can plan for those more in advance so as not to impact too many other people. In yeah. my mind, I was like, well, I'm just not going to tell them until I need to because why think that far ahead? But in their mind, they wanted to think a little more strategically so extra people didn't have to be involved in any of the, uh, the assignments we were going out on. So, yeah, it was, it was the universe yeah. saying, hey, uh, hey, dummy, uh, uh, check. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I mean, accepted it. And it's like, you could see both sides to it. I, I mean, yeah. I, it's like, how far ahead do you think? Do you not? And obviously in some ways it's good that they were concerned about people's schedules changing and all this stuff. And, you know, and you're right. And I, I, I told somebody after it happened that wasn't there with me, just somebody that called me on the way home. And I was like, you know, I gotta be honest. I, it's exactly what you just said, but I kind of feel that that's how I've learned most things in life has been kind of the, you know, I already said this, but the hard way, but you, I always leave that experience thinking, well, why didn't I know this? Why didn't I know that? Why didn't I think ahead? But you know, that's not really the best way to go about it because you're kind of in the position you're in because that's the position you're in. And, and if, it happens, it happens, and that's it. And I, and I can admit today that while I don't let the ego or my mind or these things overtake me, you know, because I can kind of observe it now, which, you know, saying observing is nothing special. I, I don't mean that as some cool term. It's basically just taking that one second to go wait, 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 and kind of like, do I want to overreact or not? And it's just building a space to, to, to make a choice. But I can remember sitting there and thinking, you know, this was pure ego for that second and thinking, well, I've put all this time into this over the last, you know, how long I've been doing it seriously, because I did it for a while, got hurt, didn't do it, and then kind of got back into it. And I just remember thinking, man, it's like, square one like everything was quote unquote going good and now i'm starting over but really you know now that it's like when you pull back and you think about it that's not really it at all because just like your job with the cops you still went back the next day and went to work if they call me tomorrow and say do you want to come in and train 
I'm going to go train. And what happens with human beings? They forget it moves on. And even the guy that I dropped was like, Hey, I'll bring another rope in that I know is good and we'll keep working on it. You know, it's really that, that, um, line of just driving on. So my point with all that is like, it's easy to kind of get stuck, but you're going to be driving on anyway. You know what I mean? Like there's no other, there's no other options. Like, so after the jury duty thing with you, like, are you not going to show up the next day? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh yeah, actually I got lucky because there was um, some bad weather that came through. So the the court closed (laughs) and then, and so the assignment I was supposed to go on for work actually ended up going on. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to get out of it. I mean, I like, I like what I do. So I was like, yeah, I I don't want to not do this assignment, but at the same time, jury duty is jury duty. And uh, to, and full disclosure, I was hoping to do some jury duty because I've been on many parts or been in many parts of the criminal justice system. I've never been a juror. Yeah. Me either. I shouldn't say that because now it's going to happen, but yeah, me either. I got a call tomorrow. One more day, one more day this month. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And and it's like, and that's another good example because I mean, you didn't really mess up so much in my opinion, but let's just say that's how they were looking at it and look what happened in the long run. So if you were kind of, because you know, there's people in our work where just that little, you know, somebody is, um, you know, somebody got an ass chewing, they're freaking out because they're thinking about promotion, the rest of the day. I mean, they'd be sitting at home freaking out. Oh, I messed up. I messed up. And then in the long run, you just went on the thing anyway. (laughs) So it's like, this is the universe, man. It's like, it's not all woo woo. It's just, this is what happens. And it's like I said earlier, where I actually had the feeling of this was a slap in the face. This was a wake up call. I can remember B laying this guy and like, I got my foot up on the wall and everything's good. Everyone around me is like, dude, you're doing it perfect. And then boom, you know, so it's just, <laughs> it's just, I mean, I told somebody, I said, you know, all the things I talk about and try to teach to people, this is nothing but proof because it's not all about some oh esoteric being out there that's looking at you and saying, Oh, screw you, dude, I don't get you. It's just, we live in a world of duality. And the only way to kind of rise above that duality is doing exactly what we're saying, because the events are still going to happen, but the response to them is what makes the difference. And I'll put that to you right now, because that's a good segue kind of into the end of this is I look at, I want to hear your opinion on this because you're a lot more positive than me and you have been forever. You have, you have very good serotonin levels. We'll put it to you that way. I've been told. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) I kind of look at it like when I look at the word transcendence or even, you know, whatever word you want to use, kind of getting above it. I look at it like, well, you're not going to fix external situations per se but you can fix your response to them, which allows you to transcend them. And one more point is I was talking to someone a little while ago and they were like, you know, I don't really think doing all this work, doing all this woo woo esoteric is ever going to hit the point where I hit the pinnacle. That was the word they use, which I don't know what that means. Let's say enlightenment or whatever. And I said, well, I think it is possible because the pinnacle is really nothing more than external situations, not destroying your internal situation, your disposition. 
you know, so that's kind of my view of these is the only way to master them, so to speak, is pretty much interacting instead of reacting. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, regarding the pinnacle comment, I think even, even if today is your most difficult situation in which you have to like not respond or, uh, or take that bird's eye view, okay, that might be your pinnacle today, but tomorrow you might have a more difficult situation you've never seen before, mm-hmm. and that becomes your new pinnacle. So I think that's more of a, it might be more, more of a sliding scale uh, related, you know, related to that comment. Um, but so I, I guess tying some of what you just said together, it's like a, like a chain of wisdom, like making, making mistakes and the universe telling you, all right, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep or put you in check right now. Uh, and whatever, you, whatever you happen to be doing, well, each time that happens and it really, it really does happen with age, I guess. That's why you know, people in their nineties have a lot more wisdom than we do, mm-hmm. but that's assuming they were, they took a step back and said, wait a second, uh, that was dumb. Or I probably should, should have done that a little differently, or maybe I shouldn't have gambled away the last thousand dollars, whatever, you know, whatever it was. As, yeah. But as long as you identify it as like a, as a moment where you can save it as wisdom, I think you, I think you've won. Uh, and, as long, and of course you're not dwelling on it and so forth, but uh, yeah, something happens. You realize it happened and, and, and probably should have, probably should have uh, done something differently, but for whatever reason you didn't, can't change that. But down the road, you, you've, you filed that situation away as one little link in the, in the chain of wisdom that you'll, you'll carry with you for the rest of your life and hopefully be able to impart on others who then in turn will hopefully listen to you if they happen to be in a similar situation. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a great point. I mean, it's everyone can learn from the situation. I mean, it's, it's, and you know, I was thinking about something you just said. I don't, I don't know if I can remember it, but it was basically it's, I don't, so when we say, when we say something like, you know, the universe is trying to show us things and I, and there's a lot of truth in that because some of these things you really can't explain. So even from like the mental realms, I call them just me being in that gym. And I mean, I'm always happy when I'm climbing, when I'm training, but you know, I'm not like, it's, it's a training environment to me right now because I haven't been doing it forever. And, um, I just remember being in there and being a level above that, you know, being just, Oh, okay. Being interactive. And some guy showed up that drove as far as I did. I mean, you know where I live, Rick, and Mm -hmm. we both made this commute. And I remember thinking, man, this is like a neat bond, you know, because basically we're both putting the time in, we're putting the work in. It's not easy. As you know, the weather has just been nuts lately. So it's interesting to be able to be in that high space and then hit the low space. And what I would say to, you know, people listening and even myself is I wasn't, you know, skipping around in euphoria, like it was nothing like that, but it, it, it could come not to be pessimistic, but it could come as almost like a, like you said about, you know, climbing up the mountain and doing good. Sometimes when the top looks very nice, it may be a sign to kind of just stop for a second, contemplate and, 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 you know, kind of rein things in a little bit, you know what I mean? Like not to be negative, but if you're sitting in this ultimate high state, there may be things that you miss because there was a few clues when this was happening for me and I kind of brushed them off. Like the guy I was with was like, man, I've had some problems 
lead climbing and lead belaying. And I was kind of like, well, I'll just go up something easy. You know, you'll figure it out. Like you've done it before. It's not a big deal. And he was kind of like, no. And I remember thinking, you know, we're, we're like here to learn and train. Like this isn't that big. Like you could, you could do it. Well, look what happened to me. So that guy was probably tuned in a little more than I was at the time to kind of like, Hey, you know, not there. But for me, I had been working heavy on this for weeks and I, you know, as me, people like me and you, Rick, like it's, you know, it's shit or get off the pot with some stuff. Like you, you gotta, it's just like on the range, you could dry fire all day, but you gotta, you gotta get out there at some point, go from the holster, you know, th- there's things you're not going to learn in your bedroom, you know, dry fire and on dry caps or whatever, but that, you know, it's, it's just an interesting topic. It's interesting that these things are shown to us, but I just believe that um, it's how you respond and it's how you interact. I mean, I, I don't know what else it could be. Yeah. I don't know who coined the saying um, paralysis by analysis. Oh yeah. So yeah, so there's a, there's a fine line between overanalyzing and going too fast. Yep. So, you, but it's, it's determined by situation, by personality. Um, but yeah, at some point you just have to do it. And, and, and if you make a mistake, of course, learn from it and hope that mistake wasn't too detrimental to you or someone else. Uh, but I mean, you're not just going to go like, you're not going to just show up to a gym having zero climbing experience and put yourself in a situation. That's just reckless. Yeah. But, but you had plenty of training. Uh, you felt pretty good about it. And yeah, today didn't today it didn't work out the way it should have, but um, yeah, yeah, next next time it's going to that's for sure. Yeah, and it's funny too. And you were saying that I'm thinking to myself, there is no other. I mean, we're I'm kind of repeating myself, but there is no other thing besides the action. And I actually feel that because you think, okay, well, this happened, but. I have no other choice besides the two choices, the dualistic choices, which are worry, 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 paralysis, like you said, mm-hmm. or review and then take action. Because even when I wrote it out, I remember thinking there wasn't really a lot that went wrong. There was just one main thing that went wrong. So right. I could literally move my thumb to the left from now on, and there's no possible way that would ever happen again. I mean, that's an actual reality so yeah you're right it's an interesting I think the most interesting aspect because I know people are going to relate to this is we feel in life that things are going quote-unquote good and then all of a sudden they go boom and I think that's a combination of being maybe too obsessed with the quote-unquote good and kind of losing your your strategic your broad context and it's also what we all do is expecting it to always be good because in reality, what would be the point of living life if it was just constantly up in the heavens? I mean, you know, it's about learning. It's about, um, and if you go real esoteric with it, the only point of being on this planet is to learn. So it's a jigsaw puzzle. I would say, I would say if I had a Venn diagram and good was on one side and bad was on the other and there was an overlap, I'd want it to overlap more on the good, but also, also have a periphery about my situation to know that the bad is out there yep. and it's going to come at the, at the least convenient time and I'm just going to have to deal with it so I can get back on the good side. But like you said, I mean, it's, it's part of living. You don't want to be positive all the time because it's not, you know, what's the point? 
Yeah. And it's funny because how would we know, I mean, this is like typical hermetics, but how would we know the good if there wasn't bad, there'd be no such thing as good if there wasn't bad. Yeah. You know, this is typical duality. And <clears throat> I've said this before, um, from one of the teachers I have around here, I actually said this the last time we talked, I think, and I just, this was back way when I was really getting on the path. And I said, you know, this idea of transcendence, which is nothing more than basically removing, you know, instead of worrying about the lock on the door, you just kick the whole door through, you know, it's removing the walls. And he said, well, you hit a point where you could see the duality. And then the minute you see it, you kind of see all the options. And then once you see all the options, you see all the choices. And then once you know you have choices, you just hit the pinnacle, just like putting your hands together like a, you know, like a roof. You just, boom, there it is. It's an automatic transcendence because you say, hey, I have options. That's all it is. And someone like you, Rick, who I think naturally most of your life has done that, you know, it, that's what it is. You always knew. And I know this from you because we talk about guys at work and, you know, the situations at work and you have always known that there is a choice to not feel or be like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the second, the second you lose control, that's, 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 I guess the point, the second you, you lose control, you basically, you give control over to someone else. And that, yeah, that's, that's kind of how way to put it. Yeah. I honed, I honed that in police work uh, because when you're, when you're trying to help someone through crisis, if you break down, you know, in panic in front of them, even though you might not, full disclosure, sometimes when you're doing police work, there's a little bit of panic going on, on the inside, but oh, yeah. you got to work through it because it's not about you. Mostly. Sometimes it's about you if you're trying to defend yourself, but most of the time it's about other people who called you to get help in some form. So you really have to be strong for them. And like I said, that's how I, I was able to hone what I think was kind of innate. And I, I blame my dad for that. He's got a similar uh, personality, but, but you, but you can't just let it go and, and not nurture it. You really do have to work at it um, to some extent, you know, not like hours a day, but you know, to, um, to be able to approach life in that manner. Hone it in. Yeah. And, and, you know, people listen to this, you know, you learn from our experiences too, because it's, um, we have enough intelligence out there nowadays with, you know, internet and all this crap where, you know, you can learn and you can learn from other people's mistakes and what they've done. And really that's why me and Rick provide this service because it's like, well, you know, I could have easily came on here and not said shit about what happened to me, play the tough guy role like all these guys do online. You know, they're gurus, so they can't admit that they mess up, but you're not going to learn anything from that. So make sure you learn from other people's stuff. But anyway, so we didn't really plan for this at all, but Rick, is there anything going on in the world that we need to know about that's not going to make me want to jump out my front window off my porch or <laughs> <laughs> anything that comes to mind in this great, media cycle we have going on right now oh has anybody heard of uh was it jesse smolik you heard of this this guy yeah that's um <laughs> that was an interesting story and you know it i kind of wanted to talk about it on here i kind of didn't but i think from i think i think i didn't pay a lot of attention to it because i just don't with news but I said this on the last podcast with uh, my buddy, Nick, I said, you know, I, I've tried to kind of like get back into it a little more because 
I feel I'm at a place where I can interact with these things, but it doesn't really affect me. You know, people on Twitter, like they're affected by it. It's their freaking life. I mean, you make one word about the other side and they lose their mind, but I saw it more or less going on when I was in the gym. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that made me, honestly, I, I just, I felt kind of like, Oh my God. I mean, you have to look at it from like a psychological point of view. I mean, I don't care about the politics. I don't care about the orientations. Like, no, no, take that out of it. You have a human being that is, in my opinion, so messed up on the inside, so hurt on the inside, such a, such a like crumbled foundation that they would go through with something like that. And the fact that obviously, I mean, a hate crime, like if they're, you know, that's a bad crime. You can have any political view you want and all these things, but nobody wishes that on anyone. I mean, that is ridiculous. And to go to that level, you know, and with all the little details and all the stuff, and I can remember having like a moment of kind of like, what the hell? And being like a normal person, like, what is wrong with this dude? But really kind of almost turned into like, man, I feel sorry for him. You know, I, I mean, yeah. to go to that level, Rick, I mean. Oh, yeah. You, you, uh, you touched on it a little bit. He had, he had way too many specific details that as soon as the cop showed up to his door, oh, he they started running his mouth. They were probably like, there's no way this is true. But kudos to Chicago PD for seeing it through. Yeah. Had, yeah. had they not, of course. Then there would have, then there would have been all sorts of accusations that they just didn't believe him because of this that or the other thing, but then he then he goes on these shows and and perpetuates the lie, yeah, and uh, to, to try to uh, convince people that yes he he was in fact a victim. Well, as we all know, nope, that's not what happened. Yeah, um, it's just crazy. Like you said, it's crazy, and you got it, it is sad. It really is sad yeah. to go to those lengths to uh, get attention. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these people, especially in our area of the internet, you know, it's tough guy talk. It's, you know, screw that. They're, they have their political views and all this. And it's like, you know, I mean, you, you break this down to the bare bones and it's sad. Like, come on. Now, I don't mean it's sad in the sense of everybody's a victim. I mean it from a psychological internal center where that's what he felt was the way to fix the situation. And it's like, dude, I mean, we've all had thoughts. We've all had these, I'm not happy and where I'm at and all these things, but it's like, man, to go to that level when there's a psychological component, obviously the political component was he was trying to put it on the president and it's, you know, so bad, but you know, I would, my view on it is just basically it's sad and I, I hope he, you know, gets a wake up call and just figures like, man, you know, <laughs> you know, it's pretty sad, but anyway. Um, so yeah, yeah, we'll start, we'll start adding some things in at the end of the podcast to try to be like normal human beings. Um, yeah, secured events. I, I don't know what the hell else is going on right now. I mean, there's plenty of stuff in the news that can, that can apply to what we talk about here. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, break down some stories that, and to be fair, that may or may not be true. We don't know because there's always several sides to a story that we're not. Oh, gonna, yeah, we're not going to get. But yeah, and that's another good point because I'm start. I don't care what side it's on. 
I'm kind of at the point now to where if I look up at any TV in the gym and it's like, oh, this just happened and it's, you know, sounds pretty legit. I'm not really buying it and not in some paranoia, you know, whatever, but just kind of like, you know, there's a lot, the news now is based more off of an agenda and that's just being fair. Like, I, I don't really think you could hear that and say, well, that's not true. Like there really is not a middle ground source that you can go from. So you basically have to do your own work and then kind of like find somewhere in the center. But what I would tell people is watch the news, do what you need to do, but you need to analyze it from a space that's kind of, you know, not attached. You can look at something like the guy who faked the crime and say, well, you know, what can I learn from this? Like, you know, rip it apart, look at piece by piece. What can I learn? You know, and so. ask yourself, why is that the particular story they decided to tell today? Because oh, yeah. we're not getting 1% of the news that happens in the world. Oh, close. yeah. Not so at all. How did, that, how did that get picked? That's why I was asking. Yeah. And it's sad that some of them do get picked. I mean, but, you know, that's yeah. just where we live in now. And I, I would trust more of something like a podcast. I mean, I, I feel like at this point, all my information comes from podcasts. And if I see or some some social media but you you know you kind of have to you gotta gotta stay away from that too but really the only normal stuff that i see is just from being in the gym it's like you pop your head up and you're like okay that's great you know but (laughs) you know some reality show or whatever but all right well anything else rick nah man not today all right cool all right guys well thanks for listening and we'll see you next time This episode of the Painted Target podcast was brought to you by Awareness Integrations. Only you care about your problems. The Painted Target is also sponsored by Grave Delay Athletics, apparel that says I'm going to live well and cheat death.